Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. This is Derek. How are we doing? Good. Good. What yeah. a busy week we've got going. Well, the busy season. Be- yeah. Busy season. Christmas. So, okay. We got to acknowledge, apparently we had some podcast issues. We no. had one podcast that didn't get recorded on accident. You guys, I'm not a professional. No, and it's okay. <laughs> and sometimes that happens. Technology demons and, and that's a thing. And then we chose not to record one week and that was a pretty hard week just going on in the Hopple family. And Yeah. And so we uh, we opted not to do that, but we just had one release last week, Woo. and now we got this one, and we're starting our new series. Which I got to say a big thank you. I've had I'm, I've had three. I'll have three Sundays off from preaching just to kind of recoup. Had a pretty busy stretch there. Um, and uh, Derek, I thought you did a great job of finishing our uh, formed series with the cruciformed life, and now we're starting into a new series on recovery. And here's the thing, it's that this actually is part of, uh, really it's a bunch of series that are all connected together. We started off by talking about the Apostles' Creed and uh, um, Rock of Ages and how our wrong beliefs about God and our culture and and that those wrong beliefs shape us. And then we went into the Formed series, which was all about the forming of our souls and the stories that we believe that deform us, conform us, transform us, and ultimately led to uh, the cruciformed life that we want to live and that Jesus is the pattern we want, which now leads us into our final series before Christmas, kind of pumping us up and getting ready for Christmas season or for Christmas Eve. And that is the recovery series, which is now that we realize we're all messed up. We've all we've all got wrong stories. We've all had those things that, you know, the wrong things we think about God, the wrong things we think about self, other people, the world around us. What do we do? And so, Derek, you kicked off this series, and so let's just talk briefly, and I know this also has to be a shorter podcast, because again, we got Christmas by the Lake coming up, very, very busy time, uh, which uh, you'll be listening to this after Christmas by the Lake, but I don't think you realize how much time and energy goes in to make that day happen. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. And thank you so much to everyone that helped, that helped set up, that volunteered, that helped clean up. The cleanup went so fast. I'm prophesying that right now. Yeah, (laughs) prophesying it. Well, last year, we estimated we had over 4,000 who came in, and I guess it was probably more than that. It was crazy. It was pretty awesome. Um, So let's talk about the the first one in the recovery series. Derek, kick us off. Kind of remind us where we're going for this first series. And then next week, Kate's going to be preaching, which I'm super excited. And then I'll be wrapping up the series. And it's going to be a good time. So why don't you lead us off a little bit where this where this first teaching came from, where it's leading us. Yeah. And so this first series kind of builds, or the first sermon kind of builds us off the this point that this a place to be broken where we all have to realize that we are we are broken, but not in a way where it's like, oh my gosh, welcome to Zion. We all suck. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not the point of what this is, but it is to realize that we are in need of a savior. And, but the underlying theme should be that 
Jesus, this isn't new. This isn't shocking to Jesus. It's not a, it's not that, oh my gosh, he looked down from heaven, saw that we were sinning and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. No, like this started in the garden uh, when we were removed from the garden. Like this is the redemptive story. This is what God's been building to. It wasn't by accident. This was by design. It was his timing. Uh, we may not always understand how it all works, but th that is that is the main point of what I'm trying to build upon is realizing we're broken. And then each of us kind of taking a time to uh, truly do some introspection of like, what are the areas that pull us away from God? Because when we talk about recovery in this, in this sermon, it's not, it's not just drugs, alcohol. It's not, it's not just those things. Those might be the common things people think of, but recovery is the, for the definition I'm using is basically getting set right. And not by what the society tells us, not by the norms of, of this world, but by being set right back to Jesus, uh, Jesus's death on the cross, uh, like what we talked about last time, the cruciform life, that is the norm. And so anything that isn't that is in need of recovery. Yeah. And that's a lot of things yeah. in a lot of our lives. And so that's kind of the pre the main points. I, I think it's what I, when this series kind of came about and we were processing through like, and people may not realize this, but we try and do series that we believe are uh, where our community is. Yeah. And I know Kate, like when you're doing for Z kids or Derek, when you're doing for Z youth, we always try to think about our audience, the people who are listening in mind and where our community is and, and I think there are two lies that are both sides of the gutter for people at Zion and just quite frankly, people in our world. One is that that gutter of shame, which is uh, I'm, I'm so ashamed of my sin. God, I don't even think God is, you know, he doesn't want to be around me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't like me. And it's this idea that somehow God is shocked by our sin. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I mean, this, this is where I think our Santa Claus theology kind of gets messed up as he knows when we've been good. He knows when we've been bad. But the idea is if we're not good enough uh, that, you know, Santa's going to bring coal and put that in our stocking. I think some of us apply that to God. Mm -hmm. The other side is, is my life is great. And I don't like, I, I really, I know individuals in our church whose lives are good. Their marriages are good. Their jobs are good. Everything seems to be going well. And, and so there's that. That other lie, which is I don't need God because everything's great or this doesn't apply to me because I'm my sin's not that bad to the other side of the gutter, which is I'm horrible. I'm a piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we probably a year and a half ago when we were rethinking our tagline for Zion, one of the ones that came up that was joking was welcome to Zion. We're all trash yeah. <laughs> because that's so so often I just had somebody ask me this. Why is it? Why does it feel like every time we a message focuses on why we're all messed up? And I think that's really what this is coming to is, is first of all, until you recognize you're, we're all messed up, we don't need Jesus. But the goal is, is not that we focus on what the problem with us is. It's rather how big God is. Yeah. And that's really where this sermon series is going to and really meant to go around. So when you think about this idea of recovery, what are some of the lies that you guys see? I mean, what are ones for you? I'll tell you mine. And this goes back to just my the struggles of my own personality, my own junk. But sometimes I genuinely don't think God cares about my needs. Mm. And that's so I try and fulfill my needs on my own, whatever they might be. And that's where that's where my recovery is. Truthfully, I, I often feel like, you know, I look at the choices that I make, the sins I struggle with the most, the, the areas where I get in the way. And what I'm, I don't think God is shocked by my sin. I think if I'm honest, sometimes I think God just doesn't care. 
mm. about the struggles in my life. He doesn't care about my sin. Yes, he loves me. And, and so I, that's my recovery. That's the story. That's, I'm just being totally honest here. That's the thing I struggle with. And so I, I check myself and I'm like, wait a second. Okay, how does Jesus meet me in that recovery process for me? How about you guys? What are the ones and that the you... disciples on the boat? They they kind of responded to yeah. Jesus like that. Yeah. In, in my story that I used in the sermon, where it was just like, "Are you just going to let us die? Like, you know, don't you like, care? Do you even care about? Like, do you even care about me? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah." For some reason, when you said that, Derek, I pictured like you had like Fabio hair and like, do you even care about me? And the way you like threw, <laughs> threw his hair back. <laughs> That's John, the one whom he loved. The one who. He, so yeah. What, so what do you what do you think about it? like what are the things for you the recovery stories for you that if you're honest with yourself? Yeah. Which side of the gutter do you lean on? Do you lean on the shame side or on the eh, it doesn't you know I'm, everything's fine? I think if you view recovery like we're trying really hard to. <laughs> expand people's idea of what recovery even is and what qualifies as needing recovery. And if we um, open that up to like the stories that form us, that's why we're going straight from what we believe in the creeds and those stories that form us into this recovery series of, okay, you have these things that conform and deform and transform and cruciform. How do we recover from those lies? And I think, Mine isn't so much that God doesn't care about the things or that I think he's shocked by um, my need to be recovered or my sin. I think it's that like if there was a mold that made humans on this assembly line of humanity at creation and it was just, you know, chugging out people. And I think quality control wasn't there the day that I was made. And like I was (laughs) somehow the mold got off. Like there is just something inherently wrong. And and I got to that, the end, you know, quality control missed that one. And God just goes, oops, oh, well, we'll let it slide. And that's how I was made. And I was like, oh no, I'm constantly feeling like I have this chip on my shoulder, this thing that I have to overcompensate for this Mm. like little Nemo fin of life that I'm just inherently unlovable because the lies that form me in my life. And that's what I need to constantly recover from of like, yes, I'm deformed, but God's not, it's not the shockingness of it. It's that that's how God created me, that there wasn't a mold there. Everybody is different. I always used to joke because I got freckles. You know, I was, you can't tell now, but I was a redhead when I was a kid. And I used to joke that if God painted people, I got the flex from the brush. (laughs) (laughs) Clean the brush off on me. How about you, Derek? When you, when you think about this, what are you, I know you, you might allude to it a little bit in the message you, but. but. All right. But can I expand off something you said though? First, uh, always Derek. I know, know. but I don't get too far away from it that it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about how we're trying to expand, uh, what celebrate recovery is and like what recovery in general is, it makes me think like, I think when we look at, you know, drugs and alcohol, I think it's really easy to think, oh my gosh, just look at the, look at the pain that it causes in our lives. And that's why, that's why those are the only people that need to be going to celebrate recovery. Mm -hmm. But man, if you look at all the other areas, like what pain is actually like, is your marriage, like, is it causing pain for your spouse or your children? Like if it's uh, an eating addiction, if it's whatever it might be, any of the sin you're doing it, that sin's going to have a ripple effect and it's going to be affecting other people. And that is a need of recovery. And I think we don't equate those. I think we think, well, drugs and alcohol is worse than uh, the sins in my marriage. It's not. And it, 
oh well it's not as harmful no, it is right. it's just it's a different type it's yeah. a or like it's uh yeah not as obvious like i don't know so that that kind of stood out when you were talking and i think too that too often we try to even even from to further expand on that of like well if it's not a sin there's no sin in my marriage i don't need to recover i might have struggles but is that really a sin yeah. and then it's like okay finding that root of all of these things that we need to and i like that you talk about that in your message that the root of all of this need for recovery is sin. Maybe yeah. I don't have a sin specifically in my marriage, but my sin of pride causes my marriage to constantly struggle. And I need to be able to recover from those coping skills yeah. that I built around my pride. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I try to word it as like less about a sin being like this, like, I don't know, like, like it's a bad thing. I, I try to view it more as like anything that pulls you away yeah. from God. Like, oh, I don't have sin in my relationship. If it's not modeling Christ perfectly, then it does. Like yeah. there is some sort of sin or brokenness there. And I think we just view it as black and white, but that's not really how, how sin works. It's literally anything that pulls or distracts or uh, puts you off target of where, where Christ is. And so I don't know, but that doesn't answer your question. What was your question again? <laughs> what pulls you from Christ? What do you, yeah, what, where are you at? What's your recovery? On the... I have a hard part with the, with, with both sides of the fence. Like it, it's hard for me because if, if, if I know Jesus is, is gonna, like he, he's gonna rescue me. He's gonna save me from my sin. It is so much harder than for me to see that I need it. Like, it's mm -hmm. almost like, what's well, going to happen. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I don't have to focus on it. And it's not that I'm rejecting it. I know I need Jesus. There's nothing about me that thinks I don't need Jesus, but almost I have so much confidence in Jesus that I don't worry about it to the point where it's like, well, now I'm not actively trying to run towards Jesus. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, I don't know, that, that might be hard to explain, no, but that's... Okay. I think that's probably really common for a lot of people that grew up in the church. Yeah, well, so I think it's, I, I, I think I'd call it a spiritual drift. Mm. Probably. Right. I mean, you think about it like the the lie and here's the there's truth. And that's the problem with good lies. Good lies always have a little bit of truth in them and just enough to make you feel secure. Right. And so if I'm hearing you right, and I think this is I think a lot of people can relate to this. Yeah. God is good. God is faithful. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, God is going to do the work in you. He promises that God. he who began a good work in you will not finish it until the day of completion. He'll continue. Right. We have all those things. And I think what that can lead to is a sense of. Well, then I don't need to worry about introspection. I don't need to worry about those things because Jesus will deal with them. And it's not even like consciously doing it. Yeah. It's just, uh, oh yeah, he's got like, I don't, yeah. And I think that's where the drift comes in is that when we look at Paul, Paul says to cast off, which that's an intentional, we're supposed to cast off the things of sin, not hope they fall off. Yeah, like or wait for them to fall off. Yeah. Like, oh, it's going to just naturally happen. <laughs> like sin is not like the skin of a lizard or a snake that eventually Rally. is going to slough off, right? That's, but I think, but again, I think that's the trap for some people. Yeah, totally. Is they think, well, if I just follow Jesus long enough, eventually it'll take care of itself. And yet Paul and Jesus and Peter and the authors of, of scripture, they tend to view sin as something, no, we must actively be laying at the feet of the cross and choosing to die. And yet there is another side of it where I think this was my friend who and I were talking. He said, Jason, it feels like it feels like every church focuses on we're all how horrible we all are. And he goes, mm. is that the message is how bad we all are? And I said, no, it means you're only getting half the gospel. Yeah. 
Because the whole point of this is instead of focusing on how bad you are, it's meant to be focusing on how good God is. Yeah. But until you acknowledge that you have brokenness, you have deformed stories, you have those lies that you've conformed to. Yeah. Well, then God can work in you because that's where I think the drift comes in is now all of a sudden you just assume we'll eventually get there. But I look at, I have friends who I know have loved Jesus, but they stopped doing the intentional work of soul work of that formative spiritual formation. And they don't, they don't feel like they need to recover Yeah. because again, they trust that the Holy Spirit, which is a good trust. We do have to trust that the Holy Spirit will do things. I think too often in our culture and just because of the way that school and jobs and just negative reinforcement and motivations work too often we have like with kids, we ha- I had this conversation yesterday with kids. We were talking about having um, kids that are our fourth and fifth grade boys just as the time of year, you know, they're kind of acting out. How do we handle that? And it, we don't want to constantly negatively reinforce them. If you do this, you don't get that. You know, we don't want to constantly do that. Well, why? Because when we're constantly negatively pointing out the things, when we're constantly saying we're trash, when we're constantly talking about that one half of the gospel, you you're going to fail and no one can be perfect. When I'm constantly reminding you that you're not perfect, that you need to try to be perfect, that when you, it's hard to one, acknowledge when you're not perfect, then it's really hard to say, well, I need help. Or two, it's really hard to say that. Um, like, like Derek said that like, well, God's going to take care of it. So it doesn't really matter. It's really hard to acknowledge that I'd rather you are going to fail. You will not be perfect. I'd rather you learn how to walk back from it. I'd rather you learn how to acknowledge the sin and positively walk back from it and reinforce when people walk back to Christ. That's what recovery is. Reinforcing that going back to that gold standard of Jesus. If you are going to fall, that is a fact of life. That's what we're talking about when it says that we're always hammering home that we're trash because you're going to fail. You're going to fall. All humans will. How do you recover from that? That's more important. And I think so. the way I viewed the sermon, I set it up into three parts. And the first part is that acknowledgement of your sin. And it's just the the reality of like, we aren't going to, we, we can't do it. We need Jesus. And that's, that's the whole point of this, the whole point of what's the redemptive story of, 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 Jesus. Like that's, that's the whole point is knowing that we, we can't do it on our own. And that then the second part of the sermon was all about how Christ viewed us. Cause yeah. I, I don't want it to be of like, it's all shame. It's all guilt. It's all, yeah. it's all that we're trash. Cause he does not view us as trash. He showed no. it like with Amen. compassion, with love, with, uh, like with the, the woman, the, the woman, the adulterer, like, I don't even want to call her that, but that's what, that's how they, they set her up in the story where he's like, I didn't condemn you. Yeah. He did still correct her sin. He said, you know, live a life that isn't that like, I want something better for you. But then like when he sees us, he sees us with, uh, compassion and like we, we've talked about it before where it's like the guttural compassion of like like it earned like he like he Jesus hurts for what? us like yeah like, splanchnismi yeah that's the word in greek well it's my favorite word yep and then then the third part of the sermon was then uh after we've realized that we that we are broken we see how how jesus looks at us and then we know that he's going to rescue us like i i think it's a that's kind of the three parts of how i i view what the sermon was, was about. Yeah. And he looks forward to it. And I think that's the part that we forget is it is his delight to redeem and restore us. Like he loves the, pro- he loves the fact yeah. that he came to rescue us. He didn't do it bitterly. And I think sometimes 
in my head, I, I picture like, because again, if I was Jesus, I'm like, oh my gosh, those humans are so annoying, are right? Sure, yeah. God, this is what you want. And yes, well, cross thing. For the joy <laughs> set before him, yeah. he endured the cross. I kind of joked in Sermon Read Through that like, we were saying God is not surprised by our sin. And I was like, Jesus wasn't plan B. He wasn't the MacGyvered answer yeah. to humanity. He's not the chewing gum and paperclip answer to my broken mold that quality control let get through. Yeah. Right? Like he was, it was always the plan. It was always yeah. the loving relationship that we get to have with God so we can walk with God in between the garden. We get Jesus. Like what a compassionate father that we have that. I was listening to a podcast, um, the Ed Milet show. He's a Christian man who does some motivational speaking and it's not a Christian podcast, but he is unabashedly about Jesus. Cool. And so he has different people on and he had this guy who was a very famous pitcher. I think for the Pittsburgh pirates, I, I'm not a baseball guy. Um, but he wrote a book and his whole thing was failure is feedback. And hmm. I got to find the guy's name. And we live in a culture where so many of us are afraid to admit our failures. And then mm. you have another portion of the culture that all they do is feel like they fail. Yeah. And I think let's go back to Celebrate Recovery. I think, again, we've done a disservice when we make Celebrate Recovery just about alcohol and drug addiction. It's easy to point at people who struggle with certain addictions and goes, failures. They yeah. failed in life. Look at them. They've they've come to addictions, right? Well, if you think even a hundred years ago before we had Alcoholics Anonymous, which was started by Christians, yeah. it was there was no language for addiction. It was either you're a good person and you're right. not addicted to things, or you're a bad person and that's why you're an addict. Yeah. Well that's and, all we had. And if you and if you look at that, so on the flip side, and, and this is where that failure is feedback. What if we began to look at the failure is something that determines who we are? We are not our worth and well-being is not determined by our failure or success. Yeah. This is why we need Jesus. It's Jesus is the one who determines us. But our failures do point us to those opportunities of where am I missing? What's So for instance, let's let's not even drugs and alcohol. When I go for that bowl of cereal at 10:30 at night and I'm trying to eat healthy. Yeah. That was not a successful moment for Jason Miller, right? But what what can I learn about that? Where am I not trusting in Jesus? Right. Where am I where am I making unhealthy choices? And and first of all, God's not up there going, oh, Jason again, shame, shame, shame. Again, that opportunity becomes for me to go, wait, what is it that I'm why am I leaning on food? Or how about, and I this is where if we were honest with church people, I think there'd be a lot of people who need who need to be in recovery for judgmentalism. Mm. People who think that they're better than everybody else, who who are so quick to point out everybody else's failures. And yet, what if God, in his, the opening of our eyes, of the opening of our heart, by helping us realize those, those small failures, not even just the big ones, but they are meant to give us feedback. Yeah. They're meant to point us to something to reveal what's going on in us in a soul level, which goes back to the very the series beforehand. We yeah. all have things that are forming us. There's something bigger going on when you have these moments that happen, the cereal. Yeah. Why? There's something bigger I'm, going it's on. It's self-soothing. I'm looking for comfort. Yeah. Sugar is comfort food. So, uh, I, okay. So when we look at this, and I, again, I know we're strapped for time this morning, but as we look at where we're going in the recovery series, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm excited for next week for you to preach, Kate. Yeah, me too. Excited for where things are going to go at this, but what what is the what is the hope in us realizing that Jesus is not shocked by our sin? 
Like, how does that bring us hope? And how does that maybe give us a new way of looking at the world, knowing that Jesus didn't come down going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this world is so messed up. I really like when you were talking about going back to that um, idea of, you know, there's something bigger going on. And when you're doing that thing, whatever it is, insert here, the thing you're struggling with and you do that, God's not up there going, oh, shame, shame, shame. I like to view it like within the context of this recovery process and where we're going with it, that God is setting you up for success. All around you, there is providence. All around you, there is God's active, a living God all around you, setting you up for opportunity for success. And that's what like church community and celebrate recovery and these messages and the disciples around you, your family, and having the opportunities to give back ultimately, to show people that, you know, if that's something you struggle with, Jason, and then you walk alongside someone else and they say, yeah, I'm really in the throes of it. Maybe you're struggling with cereal at 1030, but somebody else is struggling with constantly binge eating and purging where you're just ahead of them. You know, and that's where we're going is this like this network, this Holy Spirit network of recovery all around us that God isn't up there saying negative, 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 shame, shame, shame. He's saying, find me, find me, find me. Look at me, see me, find it. Yeah. Ah, uh, so my, no, yeah. no, 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 I've seen how I can transition. Yeah. I didn't want to transition weird, but I did. Uh, so I remember growing up, uh, I had an aunt and uh, she was wonderful in my life. She was a bit hard, but she was, she was great. My aunt Darla. And I would help her do groceries and stuff like that. And if we got something wrong or like if I went to the grocery store and got something wrong, she would send me back for like a can of peas for a dollar 12 okay and she's like i need that dollar 12 back or like you cost me 30 cents go get it back and like to me i'm like that's not valuable like that's not worth the time to go do it but when i look at the cross and i look at the redemptive story i think we alluded to it last week you don't redeem what's not valuable Amen. and god's redeeming us in this moment like because he sees us as valuable and like i don't know like yeah, sure. 30 cents for a can of peas. I'm not redeeming that. But like when God looks at us, when Jesus looks at us, he sees us as valuable, not as trash, not as, yeah, are we broken? Yeah. But he's going to fix that. Like, I don't yeah. know. I just, I really like that. And you're worth fixing. You're worth fixing. Yeah. yeah I agree. Well, and yeah. Okay. Growing up in the eighties in California, rede- redemption centers were critical. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just so, like unlocked a memory in my brain. <laughs> so we used to go pick up pick up cans. And Absolutely. again, I grew up not very wealthy, not poor. And we would pick cans and we'd go take them. And, and sometimes you'd get 50 cents. Sometimes you'd get, you know, a buck, 52 bucks, three bucks. And I was thinking about like, that's the thing with most things that are used. Hmm. A can is valuable until it's used. And then once it's used, we discard it. And that's why you need a redemption center. Redemption Center takes something that feels used up that no longer has value and brings value back to it. Well, even if you just think of like people think of a gross, empty can, it's like, oh, somebody's mouth is on it. There's like leftover pop in it and they just throw it away in the garbage. But aluminum is a limited resource. It is valuable. And we use it for these everyday trash like items to redeem it is to restore it back to its value. Well, and if you think about this, how remarkable and it just as we're talking like. For us, this can is an everyday item. We don't even think about it. 500 years ago, 
Right. This was a this was a this would have been revolutionary. This yeah. would have changed the game. Witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, because everything before was leather. You know, you had to do skin tanned yeah. hides or whatever. And yet, isn't that the problem with a lot of the lies that we have in our life is that we think we're beyond use. Yeah. We think we've been all used up. And I mean, even think about the language of, we know users and abusers and not just talking about drugs and alcohol. We know people who use people, who abuse people. And what do you do when you're done with something? You throw it away. Yeah. And, And that's the beauty of Jesus. And that's the beauty of this recovery is Jesus goes on. And again, growing up in San Diego, I remember watching people dig through the trash, grabbing the cans and going, oh, that's gross. Yeah. And I could picture the angels in heaven not understanding fully what Jesus was doing, going, really, Jesus? That's gross. Like, Why, why are you at Matthew's house? Yeah, why would you collector. do that? Yes. Yeah. And, and I like even, but on a spiritual realm, I think there's a spiritual a deforming Achiness. of the soul that goes on in that. Well, I'm really excited and I'm yeah. excited because this is actually leading us up to Christmas, which is simply Christmas and and how we've complicated Christmas. Yeah. And and the complication isn't always bad, but it's pointing us to something else. And next week, I'm really excited, Kate, um, because I think I think in the middle of what God has been doing at Zion, and I've been thinking about this recently, what I'm seeing and hearing from people, we continue to have new people who are coming and who are saying, man, it really feels like God's doing something cool at Zion. And we're seeing new people coming every week. How do we retain them? Yeah. How do we how do we keep people on? And I think the way we do this is no, it's not about entertainment. It's not about how good a sermon is. Are you not entertained? Yeah, it's. I don't think it's about. And I, and I really, I, I'm going to be talking more about this probably this coming year. But I think we're past. I think as a culture, we're past programs. I think we've realized that programs have not been as effective, whether it be in government or in churches, as we thought they are. Mm-hmm. So what are people looking for, and how do we get there? And I think as we're looking at this series, my hope is, is that if we all realize that we're all in the same place, we're all in the same boat, whether or not some people are in the front of the boat, the back of the boat, some people are under the boat, we're all in the same boat. What would it look like for us as a church if we actually started operating as people who saw the mission of recovery, mm-hmm. who saw the mission of Finding, helping find people who feel like they're worthless, who feel like they're trash, or who think that they're above all that and realize, no, no, God's got a mission and a purpose for this. And we're on a redemption mission. We are a redemption center. We're the place you bring your used up cans. (laughs) And that's, God's going to do something beautiful for it, through it and for it. Well, hey, uh, again, I know we got Christmas by the lake. I hope, obviously, if you are listening to this beforehand, you would know, but this is released after Christmas by the Lake. I'm super excited for Christmas by the Lake. I want to give a big shout out to Jennifer Colby and all the work that she's done and all the staff who've helped Woo. do it and volunteers. And uh, we'd love to hear stories about what you thought about Christmas by the Lake. And and Derek, I loved hearing the story about the person who came to Christmas by the Lake last year, then came to Christmas Eve and so loved what Zion was doing that now became a member, of, a part of Zion, is now serving at Christmas by the Lake Amen. this year. How cool. Those are kind of those redemption stories where God's doing some beautiful things. Derek, thank you for faithfully preaching and uh, giving me a little bit of a respite so I could focus on a few other things. And, and uh, again, looking forward to this series and all the things that God is doing. God is good. Amen. Amen. And we love you, Bob Goff, but not <gasps> more than we love Jesus. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm Derek. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, 
Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of The Breakthrough Breakdown.